You're listening to WJMF Radio, the beat of Bryant. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa, and today I have got a great episode in store for you guys. I'm recording this episode pretty early today. I'm recording it at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern time on Friday, August 12th. Uh, I'm doing this because, you know, I'm heading off to a country concert tonight. I got a lot of stuff, to, you know, to unpack today, but I did want to get an episode out to you guys this week, and I am so glad uh, that we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, there's some news across the NFL, MLB, NBA, a ton of news to talk about. And with that being said, I have a special guest on the show to help me break it down. He's been on this show many times before from our Halloween special to uh, just other to just other classic interviews we've done. Uh, he's a longtime friend of myself and to the show. Uh, and, you know, without any further ado, please welcome back to Down to the Wire, Mr. Kyle Finn. Kyle, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. It's fun. It's great to be back. Yeah, I know. I know, Kyle. For you, you've graduated uh, from Bryant now. You're heading on to uh, bigger and better things. You're heading to uh, Boston University in the fall. Uh, you know how, how how have you been doing this summer? Doing pretty good. Got an apartment ready, and I'm just ready to get Boston University started. It's going to be a fun time up there. Absolutely. You're going for your master's in communication, right? Yep, for journalism. Good stuff. Yeah. What are you trying to do after uh, after college? I'd love to get into sports reporting or sports broadcasting, but whatever opportunities I get given, I'm going to explore all of them and take the best option. Absolutely. So uh, I think that, you know, with that being said, I definitely, you know, like lo- love your sports mind. I love what, what you can bring to the table. So uh, I want to start off with, uh, you know, some NFL news, some Patriots news uh, to be more specific. Uh, you know, Kyle, you were actually at the Patriots uh, first preseason game last night. Uh, what were your thoughts on the on you know the performance and everything that you saw there? Yeah, you know it's only week one. Uh, game was actually very close, uh, as you see. Giants won by two points, twenty three twenty one. Had a had a buzzer beating uh, field goal at the end. Uh, Bailey Zappi did pretty good. Uh, Brian Hoyer did did already. Got they both got themselves one uh, passing touchdown. Uh, defense was really the the side that needs the most training and assistance because they were just allowing really stupid passes and runs just to get through and just bad coverage overall but it's only preseason week one they still got two others to go and they also have a week off before they officially start the regular season so there's still another month left they just gotta keep getting back to training camp practicing reviewing film and uh, I think they should be ready for week one of the regular season Mm -hmm. yeah I think that I think with the preseason, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, when it was the when you had four weeks of preseason, it was, I think, better to get a gauge as to, uh, you know, where you'd see the best possible competition. Usually that third preseason game was, you know, the most 
like the closest to real time game action that you'd get. It still can't really mimic what a true regular season game feels like, but it was the closest that you could really get to that. Most of the starters were playing at least up until halftime, sometimes even into the third quarter. Uh, and usually that's how you could get your test. Uh, now that they've moved it down to three weeks, possibly next week is now going to be the real uh, tried and true test. And, you know, week three now is going to be more of, you know, what week four was traditionally in the preseason where you saw all the backups trying to, you know, make that last uh, ditch effort to make the team. So uh, I think next week will definitely be a much uh, more interesting week. Uh, I, you know, to be frank with you, as soon as I saw that Mac Jones wasn't on the field, I kind of mentally tuned out right away. Nothing on Brian Hoyer, but, you know, Brian, Brian Hoyer isn't selling tickets for me right now. He just isn't doing that. Uh, I, don't, but, I don't know. The stadium was uh, decently full last night. So Brian Hoyer did something right. <laughs> yeah. But Kyle, the reason the stadium is mostly full is because the tickets are like 75% cheaper than they always, than they would have been anyways. Like a $200 ticket is maybe going for, I don't know, let's say like 75 bucks. Like it's a lot better than, you know, what you're typically getting yourself into there. So I think that kind of plays into a lot of the stuff I've, been to a handful of Patriots preseason games, but only one regular season game ever in my life. And it's, you know, basically based on the fact that regular season games are going to just gouge you of all your money. That's why I hate the Boston uh, third party market for like StubHub, Ticketmaster, just all those. They really just love to jack up the price. Mm -hmm. Boston sports fans, man. Yeah, that is that is a thing. So, I mean, from what I did see from the game last night, uh, I liked the separation that that our rookie wide receiver Tyquan Thornton was able to get it. Sometimes uh, he was looking pretty solid. Uh, you know, my brother that saw, thought he kind of saw some similarities to a Calvin Ridley. I almost saw some, you know, Michael Pittman comparisons as well. So I think there's some, you know, some great uh, there's some great upside to him uh, coming down the coming down the future. Uh, you know, whether it's even he's used as like a Philip Dorsett deep threat type, and that's how they use him this season. I'm fine with that. I think getting some separation like that down the field will definitely be uh, valuable for us. And then, uh, you know, I think that JJ Taylor looked all right. Didn't really see too much from the other running backs. Um, but then, uh, you know, on the defensive side, I agree with you. One thing that was interesting to me was getting to see Malcolm Butler again. Uh, <laughs> it had been a while since I had seen him on the field. So, uh, you know, obviously Malcolm Butler for, you know, those of you who were unaware came out of retirement, uh, to rejoin the Patriots in a move that I never thought we would ever see Malcolm Butler in a Patriots Jersey again, especially after the way Super Bowl 52 went and, you know, he was benched for that game. I never thought we would see Malcolm Butler in a past Jersey again. Yeah. And it feels even more weird that he has a different number on and, uh, he actually had a fumble recovery last night, which was uh, pretty fun to see. He was he was getting all lit with his uh, teammates on the sideline, and it was just good to see him having a fun time, uh, just getting back to, you know, those old Patriot vibes. And it's like, you know, it was really special during those years of 2017, 2018, 2015, 2016, just those years that he was there. And uh, hopefully he can contribute a lot to the Patriots because I think they need that veteran kind of guy to lead on defense. Yeah, I think that it's going to be a strong ask for him, but I think that if used in certain situations, I'm, I mean, you don't want him going one on one with the fastest receiver on the field. He's going to get burnt. Like, that's just the fact of the matter. But if you put him on maybe some slot guys inside uh, that maybe aren't as fast, he has, you know, the physical size to, I think, match up really well in certain situations. Um, but unfortunately, you know, while there were a ton of things to talk about for the Patriots preseason, uh, there was another headline about the Patriots that, you know, unfortunately, uh, 
you know, did come true yesterday. And is that uh, Patriots longtime running back James White has officially announced his retirement from the NFL after eight seasons. James White obviously was a hero for the Patriots in Super Bowl 51, uh, you know, have, you know, rattling off numerous touchdowns and two point conversions. Uh, I think a performance about him that is also missed is, you know, his, you know, is his outing in Super Bowl 52. He was great in that game as well. And really was just a core piece for the second half of the, of the Patriots dynasty of the 2000s. Like he was so integral to all of that. And uh, I remember when James White came in the league out of Wisconsin, I, you know, didn't really think much about much of him at the time. I thought maybe he could be a good guy to, you know, you know, get into the mix every now and then Belichick obviously sat him down for a year. And then, you know, that next year he really kind of got at it and was very active. Yeah, James Wade has been a part of this Patriots organization for a long time. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Super Bowl 52, yeah. Uh, his performance really doesn't get talked about enough, unfortunately, but it's because they lost at the end of the day. But, mm-hmm. yeah, he will forever be known as a legend uh, in Patriots' eyes just for simply just winning this getting the ball and winning a uh, Super Bowl 51, which was amazing to see. Uh, I went through his social media yesterday, and all of his teammates have such great appreciation for him posting uh, such nice comments on his Instagram posts on his story. So that was just great to see. Um, I'm really going to miss him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that uh, I'm trying to think of really someone who could compare to a James white type. I don't think, you know, Corey Dillon is exactly that type of a person, but uh, you know, those, there are a bunch of early Patriots running backs, which uh, you know, at certain times in the Patriots dynasty were a real struggle for them. I mean, even when they had some stability with guys like Shane Vereen and Stephen Fumble Ridley, I mean, there was always some issues there. So I think that uh, James White for a long time provided a lot of stability for this team, which was great. Then in 2021, he suffers a hip a hip injury, which, you know, evidently proves to be the end of his career. Up until then, he was a very, you know, you know, active and contributing piece to this team. And it's unfortunate that injuries did have to, you know, take him out of the game at this point. But that is usually the the cost that you pay of being an NFL running back. Yeah, when you're an NFL running back, your peak is not as high. I mean, we've talked about beforehand and I've just heard on sports shows like they always make comparisons to like Ezekiel Elliott, like how long does he have? When he was dominant back in like 2016, 2017, 2018, just how long he would be that kind of dominant person. Same with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Didn't really get a chance to really have that with Saquon Barkley just because he gets injured so often. That's really also something sad to see too. Like it was good seeing Saquon out on the field last night, just getting a few reps in, but he was only there for just that first drive. But um, hopefully Saquon can really stay healthy um, I wanted to continue to have such a great career because he is a fun guy to watch. Uh, he brings a lot of energy to the Giants team. And uh, I know he's not on the same level as James White, but he is very helpful. And I think he can really provide some positive energy to this Giants organization because they do have a tough year ahead of them. Yeah, I think the Giants definitely do have a tougher year uh, going forward. But, you know, obviously Saquon Barkley is a superstar athlete uh, and James White was more of you know, kind of the right fit for the team. That's, I don't know if James White would, you know, work with every other team that he went to, but he worked with the Patriots. And for what it's worth, that speaks volumes because not every great player can come to the Patriots and work with them. 
I mean, I know Reggie Wayne uh, at the end tried to come to the Patriots and, you know, see what he could do there. And, you know, just did not like the culture, said that, you know, he wanted to have fun and, you know, could not do that in New England. Same thing with guys like Darrell Rivas, who even had success here, but, you know, said that he just could not enjoy it. James White, for all I could see, enjoyed his time in New England. I mean, there could have been some animosity at times, maybe some talks about him going down to Tampa Bay and joining up with Tom Brady. But for the most part, he was the definition of a do your job player. And, you know, he really stuck to that motto uh, from Bill Belichick. Yeah. It's all about filling in the correct puzzle pieces to an offense and just having that team chemistry. If you have those two things, uh, the, the, the roof to winning games is endless. Yeah. So, you know, obviously with James White now gone, there's a massive hole in that Patriots backfield. That was one that was, you know, even felt last year for this team, but they were able to fill it in with, uh, you know, with the duo of Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson with White now out of that backfield, though. What do you see the Patriots do going forward? Well, just even looking at last night's game, uh, the rush, there wasn't really much rushing going on. I mean, they, there was 18 carries, only 52 yards with Pierre Strong doing most of the running and carrying, though. But it's going to be pretty interesting. It was mostly a kind of pass passing kind of game last night. Uh, Wilkerson, as you had mentioned, Nixon, little Jordan Humphrey. I always like watching him and his name is just so fun to say. Uh, it was good seeing him get a touchdown last night, but it's going to be interesting. It, it's going to unfortunately be more of a passing gear. It's really going to be, I. It's we're going to have to wait and see when we get into the regular season, how things unfold. But we saw how Mac Jones was pretty accurate last year. Uh, there was, I think it was a record he broke where he had like over 70% completion over like certain amount of games. Like, and so you know, Max a very reliable thrower. I mean, he may not throw it down the field far though, but he gets you those catches and you can push down the field pretty quickly if you stay consistent. So they may be lacking in one area, but they make, make up for it in, in another area. So yeah, I think need that's, to, they need to continue to diversify both areas. Yeah. That's definitely a big plus for this team. I would agree with you. My brother has been talking to me a lot about Pierre strong, uh, the South Dakota product. Um, you know, he seems to look pretty solid. I think that, you know, I think he thinks that he could fill in very well in that James White role. So I think, you know, having someone that could take over for James White and get him and get those similar carries would be really valuable for us. Obviously, no one's going to be able to replace James White, you know, completely, uh, not not talent wise, but intangibles wise. So I wonder if the Patriots will keep James White around, maybe as a coach, maybe as someone to mentor a guy like Pierre Strong and get him go- and get him up to speed. Uh, I wouldn't mind that at all, but, you know, definitely will be uh, miss definitely, you know, James White will be missed this year, but I do like what the Patriots have going forward on offense. I think that the addition of Tyquan Thornton through the draft, um, you know, Devante Parker, who we traded for is looking like a possible wide receiver one coming out of camp. Uh, we got some great options going forward. Yeah, I agree with you, but hopefully next preseason game against I believe it's Carolina we see more of a run it we see more running and more handoffs uh just so they can get more reps and just get themselves more prepared for the season because especially week one when they have to go down to Miami like they know they struggle in Miami so it's important to take advantage and win the first game to get off on that right foot 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something I worry about with uh, some of these players as they get ready for the regular season, obviously, uh, you know, one thing that's been talked about is these like new skull caps that, you know, certain players uh, like tight ends and linemen have been wearing. What I'm worried about that is, you know, if that's going to possibly cause some injuries for guys heading into the season, you know, uh, you know, when you give these guys this extra protection, it's going to give them a false sense of security. And some and some people have already feared that that could lead to guys leading with their heads, uh, you know, and start to develop a habit of that, which will inevitably increase the amount of concussions that we see going forward. Is that something that you're thinking about? Yeah, mostly concussions. They'll be also the thing now NFL is going to be looking more at those kinds of penalties. So could potentially see some ejections depending on the nature of how the hit is laid out. But. Yeah, I I think I think it's also kind of bad because I have seen some kind of dirty hits. I mean, I've also seen that from some some of the uh, preseason brawls that we've had uh, early on. I remember the Bills had one because someone laid a pretty big hit on Josh Allen trying to run into the end zone, and uh, he didn't really take too kindly to it. And uh, I think Pittsburgh also had a brawl that yeah, there's a. Some of these teams are really getting into it with their own with their own teammates, though. But I think it helps build character. But they need to be careful, though, and not hurt their own teammates because they're only hurting themselves at the end of the day. Yeah. Speaking of hurting your own teammates, we're going to you know end up jumping over to MLB news and talking about Chris Sale and his injury. But first, uh, I want to take it. I want to take this time to, you know, you know, shout out down to the wire and just say in case you guys aren't following it yet, we are available everywhere. You guys can stream podcasts, whether that be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and more. You can also watch the video stream to this show on YouTube and you can find all of the links, all of them in our Instagram bio. And our Instagram is at down dot to the wire again at down dot to the wire on the IG. So, Kyle, first things first, uh, you know, as we uh, do switch away from NFL now into MLB news, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was uh, kind of getting a, you know, behind the scenes glimpse at Chris Sale as he was rehabbing this year and getting ready to come back to uh, baseball. Uh, you know, at the start of this year, he suffered, uh, I believe it was a stress fracture or something in his rib cage, and it completely derailed the start of the season for him. You know, the season prior, he uh, in 2020, he had gotten Tommy John surgery and was rehabbing from that. So that was a challenge as well. And then we finally get to this year and it's like, all right, Chris Sales getting is coming back and boom, takes a line drive freak injury. I'm not blaming Chris Sale for this injury whatsoever, but takes a line drive right off his pinky at Yankee Stadium and fractures it and, you know, has to undergo surgery to see, you know, what he can do going forward. I can't blame Chris Sale for an injury like that. What I can blame him for is what we ended up seeing this is what we ended up seeing earlier this week. And for those of you who don't know, Red Sox ace Chris Sale uh, was apparently riding his bike with his kids and flips over the handlebars and breaks his wrist, which I, I don't know how you are doing this. I, I get I get that freak injuries can happen. But Kyle, I'll let you kind of give your thoughts on this before I jump back and discuss my opinion. Well, I mean, Boston is known for having old streets, uh, old sidewalks. So a little bit of cobblestone on some of those sidewalks can really get to you. Uh, I don't really know what sidewalk or what road he was riding on when this incident happened. I think I was I think I heard that he was going downhill, I believe. 
it was something like that, but he just hit a bump in the road or hit some sand and he just lost all traction on his bike and, and just ended up crashing and burning. But, um, yeah, very unfortunate. He really, I, I guess he must have like a voodoo curse on him or something, because as soon as he's ready to go out, make an appearance on the mound and ready to contribute to the Red Sox, something happens. And it's just like, again, something happened again. And this time it happened to be him being out for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, Kyle, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, Chris Sale isn't riding through, like, the streets of Quincy where there's legit cobblestone. He's not doing that here, okay? Chris Sale probably live most likely, if he's, you know, even living in Boston, lives in, like, the nicer suburbs, like, surrounding outside Boston, like, maybe in, like, the Brookline area or somewhere like that. That's more likely where he's kind of at at this point. Like he's I hope, not. I hope so with the money that he's getting from the Red Sox. Yeah, I hope, he's, I hope so. He's not living in Boston, so it's not like he's like it's not like he's like riding along the marathon route and he you know accidentally slips off his bike. No, he's riding in a neighborhood most likely when this is happening. And you can make the case of downhill or whatever. But what I have to ask you as well is, you just got surgery on your broken pinky. Why are you even on a bike right now? I get the fact that you know you're a dad and you and you want to you know hang out with your kids. But you're also an athlete making, what is it, like 30-something million dollars? I mean, he's making a ton of money on this team right now, taking up a ton of cap space. And, you know, listen, man, I love what you did for this team in 2018. You also kind of, you also have, you know, basically been a walking eggshell for the past, you know, what, three seasons now? So it's kind of been a little ridiculous, Chris. I understand that, you know, you're not the biggest guy, but would it kill you to eat a burger? Like, really, it's not the I, I don't get it at this point. Like, I get the, like he's like six, six, 120 pounds soaking wet. And he and, and, and like he just like he always does like this boo who like woe is me moment every time he like injures himself. And it's like, I don't know, man, maybe if you weren't literally made out of paper, you wouldn't break all the time. But he also does a good job in breaking the Woosock stuff. I mean, we saw his meltdown in the dugout after. Oh, yeah. He got pulled out of that game, and he just went ballistic in the hallway. Kyle, I was at the Woo Sox game when that happened. I was working that game when it went when it all went down, and I didn't find out till the next day. And I and I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, obviously, Chris Sale, you know, paid for the TV and did all that stuff. But okay, man, great. That was a Triple A game. Like we needed you in the big leagues, and you were there for two starts. That was it. That's all you were able to give us. And you know, again, I'll say that the, I'll say that you know the pinky injury was a freak injury. You can make the case that this was a freak injury too, but it was one that you could have put, it was one that you could have prevented. That's the difference. You can't prevent a line drive from, you know, coming back and, and striking you in the pinky and shattering it, but you can, pre- you can prevent yourself from getting on a bike and going for, you know, you know, some sort of like little like ride, ride with your kids, do something else. I, I don't care if you have to walk with them. I don't know how old they are, but chances are they're not outpacing you that by that much on a bike. Just, just, just being, just being frank with you. Yeah, it's yeah, just a lot of carelessness decisions and yeah, it's it's very unfortunate, but it's too late now. He has to he has to live with the injury he has and has to go through rehab and all that stuff and um wishing him speedy recovery and hopefully he can stay with the Red Sox though, but it's it's not looking too good, especially because he's been gone for so long away from the team. And he's just eating up money from the Red Sox. I, I would want to see the Red Sox just do something else than besides paying him thirty plus million a year to just 
only give like what five starts, maybe if you're lucky. It's it's really sad. It's just very unfortunate, but what can you do? The, I mean, this the way the season is going right now, below five hundred, and now that they have to face the Yankees this weekend, uh, this this series is not going to be pretty in my eyes. Yeah, we owe him thirty million. We've since twenty twenty, he has made and again in twenty twenty he did not play. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, I believe his his salary. Yeah, so his adjusted salary. He actually ended up and uh, ended up at seven million dollars because of the you know lack of games. So that was something that happened. And he also didn't play because he had Tommy John surgery that year. Still collected seven million dollars. Twenty twenty one, where he was out for most of the year, uh, collected you know. So 2021, where he was out for most of the year, collected $20 million. And then this year, where he made two starts, collected $20 million. So he's made $47 million for maybe less than 10 starts. That that's robbery. <laughs> that is robbery. Like, like uh. that is that is actual robbery. And we're paying this guy technically still until 2025, until he's 36 years old. And you know, I'm just gonna be honest here. You don't typically get you know, like you don't typically get more durable as you get older. That's not, you know, usually the track record you see here. So we're paying Chris Dill till he's 36. He's 33 right now. I don't see where he's going to get, you know, any better going forward. Now, maybe he's able to put on a couple pounds rehab, right? And, you know, if you keep him in bubble wrap, he could go out there and give you the starts that you want every five days. But that's the, but that's if, you know, Chris Dale is even going to do that. He's had, some of the weirdest injuries I've ever seen. Even when he was competing and doing well for us, he had ridiculous injuries. I remember back in 2018, he, I don't know if he got scratched from a start, but he was at least listed as questionable for a start because he had an infection from a belly button ring. I mean, I I don't like this man has some of the weirdest injuries that I think I've ever seen. Uh, It's similar to like, I think when like Sammy Sosa pulled his back out from sneezing. Like I like it's some of the weirdest stuff that you'll ever see. Yeah, we we the Red Sox got to do something about this because this really is this really is ridiculous. Those forty seven million dollars could have been put towards something useful. A per a player that could be on the field right now, putting up some probably decent numbers that could help us at least move in the right direction or add another decent starter to the to the rotation or just a few guys to the bullpen, maybe just, just something other than Chris Sale getting paid 47 million, just to only get 10 starts in, in four years at most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it just sucks. The fact that we're, you know, in the situation we're in and, you know, I, you know, Grayson Mortimer, who, you know, I know you've uh, met him. He, I believe, he was also of, at the Pats game last night. Yeah. So I know you've, I know you've met him a couple of times before. Uh, you know, he's told me, you know, he, you know, was talking to me on the last show about saying just how bad the Chris Sale contract really was. And it was, it, it really has been a disaster so far. I'd say, you know, possibly similar to the call Crawford contract, something of that, like, uh, and it's just cause he's just cannot stay on the field. And, you know, I, as we're looking forward to some things, I just don't know where the Red Sox are going to go from here. Now I, thought going into the trade deadline they were going to go hard sell and get rid of everybody and i thought that was going to be the way that we went because we were still technically in the wild card race at the time and i it looked like it all signs were pointing to all right the red sox are going to sell everything off jd's going to be gone Evaldi's going to be gone and we're going to go into full-on rebuild we don't do that and you know now we come out of the trade deadline and we're four and a half games out of the wild card race 
and it doesn't look like it's getting any better as we're heading into the dog days of August and September is slowly approaching. It just does not look good for us. Yeah, if it would be amazing if somehow the Red Sox got a sweep this weekend against the Yankees. I get, yeah, I, I can see the smile on your face because that sounds ridiculous to say, but that would that would be the only way this Red Sox team can give me some kind of hope is if they sweep. Two out of three, you can clap your hands, but again, Yankees, Yankees, Astros, they're still thirty games above five hundred, and they have that for a reason. They're both nasty teams. So, uh, it's, it's uh, yeah. Red Sox season is over. I mean, yeah, I, and I, I, and, and I, I have to say this myself because I want to give them hope, but it's August 12th and there's only a month and a half left of the season. Yeah. What's really unfortunate for me is the fact that, you know, when the Red Sox are in it, it gives me something to at least talk about on this show and say, you know what? The Red Sox are making a real bid for the postseason, and they're really, you know, gearing up for something. As soon as they're out of it, you can make like, you can, you know, talk about it for only so long, you know, unless, you know, the tr- unless the train really comes off the tracks and, you know, there's like internal struggles within the clubhouse and there's a lot of bad blood. It just like the Red Sox just kind of fade out of everyone's memory, even when the season is still going on. There's just not a lot to talk about when they're competitive and they're really making a making a run for the playoffs. You can talk about, all right, how are they going to fare? Like, who should they like, you know, who should they have in the starting rotation? When it gets to this point and they're just out of it, it's just boring. And, you know, while I don't mind the why, while I don't need the Red Sox in the postseason for it to be interesting for me, it does like take a little bit of an element out of it. Like I am not as emotionally invested in the postseason as I would be uh, with the Red Sox out of it. Yeah, that's the same for me, though. Um, I mean, obviously, this postseason should be pretty interesting because Mm -hmm. we got about four to maybe five teams that have a decent shot. Obviously we know Dodgers, Yankees, the those two, I, I think obviously are going to be the most, you know, according to Fox or like CBS and the NBC, like those sports networks, they'll say like, Oh, those are the, that's the matchup with the best chance. But um, Mets yeah. should be quite interesting. I would love to see uh, Mets make a deep playoff run. Um, San Diego needs to get, Get, needs to get their act together. I don't know what happened to them as soon as they got one. So they just like forgot how to like function as a baseball team. But if they can get their act together, they can be pretty pretty interesting to watch because they basically have a big three. You know, Fernando Tatis, you need to get back to the playing field soon, hopefully. Um, yeah, uh, it it should be a pretty interesting postseason, uh, regardless if the Red Sox are in it. I'll be watching probably the NLCS on, but. Yeah, it, it really is a bummer when the Red Sox don't make it because they uh they put up good fights in the uh, the postseason like as we saw last year like we weren't expecting them to make we it were, to the LCS we were two games away from the World Series and in my opinion a World Series that we could have had a shot at winning in my opinion yeah oh yeah it would have been interesting to see them play against the Atlanta Braves uh it would be yeah it would be pretty interesting. I mean, unfortunately, we won't get to see how that ever plays out because, you know, they did fall short. And this season, I don't even think we're going to have the privilege of being able to fall short, which, you know, does suck. But uh, as we look ahead, I, I I mean, obviously, the Chris Sale contract has been a mess. But, you know, as we look forward with this team, I'm very nervous as to what we're going to do with some of our younger players going forward. Xander Bogars, Raphael Devers, guys that I thought 
you know, when we got rid of Mookie Betts would be, all right, yeah, we're, we're going to trade away Mookie Betts. So that way we can sign Xander Bogarts and Rafi Devers and have them be the cornerstones for this franchise and help them turn and help us turn the page into the next decade. That's what I thought we were doing by getting rid of Mookie Betts. Evidently, we did we're, we're we might even we might do the exact opposite opposite of that, where we get rid of Mookie Betts. And then we also say, yeah, we don't see the value in Xander Bogarts. We're going to let him walk. And then Rafi Devers, yeah, we don't really see, you know, you as too valuable either. We're actually going to trade you. And we're just going to, you know, plug and place all these players and become the Tampa Bay Rays. And that's what bugs me about this team. I saw the Red Sox at one point were interested in Brett Phillips, the, you know, Tampa Bay Ray hero after he got released from the, after he got released from the Rays. I don't want Brett Phillips on this team. I think he's a great guy. I don't have any issue with him, but one, he's hitting below the Mendoza line, which isn't a great ad for your team. And two, I don't necessarily need these type of players on the team. I want guys that can actually go out there and play and be superstars and like legit make your team a better product. I don't I don't want to help I don't want us to get wins through statistics and probabilities and getting and you know doing stuff like that. I want us to win because we have the best talent on the field. And at the end of the day, that usually does come that usually is what you know, factors out at the end. Yeah, I mean, we saw that in 2018. I mean, like, when we watched them, like, they won over 100 games. They very handedly gave a gentleman's sweep to the Dodgers in the World Series. Like, and that was that was just overall dominant. Like, yeah, we're just we're just not seeing that again. But that was also just a very special team. And they put a lot of money and risk into that. And granted, they did win a World Series, though, but we got to look to the future and the future is it's a little bit of a head scratcher because they could go in different directions, but we need to wait and see what the GM's office front office does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I mean, obviously that's going to be all up in the air, but it does definitely feel like a long time ago since 2018, not necessarily in terms of the years. I mean, I could, you know, look back on 2018 and be like, Oh, that was four years ago. But when you look at the way the Red Sox have changed their strategy, it seems like night and day. So that 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 that's the thing for me. But that I think that concludes what we have in MLB news for us, Kyle. Uh, I do want to jump over to the end of the NBA before we do wrap things up today. And with that being said, we also found out some pretty uh, you know, some pretty historic news today as the NBA announced that they will, for the first time, retire a jersey across the entire league. And that jersey is none other than the late great Bill Russell's number six. Obviously, Bill Russell was a, you know, a a champion of, you know, literally the definition of the word champion, 11 time, uh, 11 time, you know, champion with the with the Boston Celtics, uh, you know, did that and was also a great humanitarian, did a lot of civil rights work, uh, was just a great guy. And for what I can see, had a great relationship with with, you know, with current Celtics players up until the day he died, you know, when he did pass away. like I think two two or so weeks ago, um, you know, current Celtics players like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were talking about the impact that Bill Russell had on them. And that's crazy because they are my age and Bill Russell played in the 60s. So the fact that a guy that played that long ago is still able to influence them is crazy to me. I could understand where Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen or guys of that era or Kobe Bryant can impact those guys because that's who they grew up watching. They didn't grow up watching Bill Russell. But he still had an impact on them, which is tremendous. 
Yeah, because I've also seen like Bill Russell still go to some of the games. He still goes to, you know, the facilities and goes and has talks with these players and stuff. Obviously, it's different from Michael Jordan, like because obviously he owns the uh, Charlotte uh-huh. now. But so it's yeah. not like he can just go to the polls and be like, hey, I'm going to give you this motivational speech, even though I'm on the other team. I own the other team. But um, yeah, it's important to have a big figure like that, especially for how how deep the Celtics history is like there's so many so many players you could choose to you know be the face of the Celtics like obviously um Larry Bird someone that always gets talked about as a Celtics legend um Paul Pierce one of the more recent ones who's just been so dedicated to the team but I'm very happy that Bill Russell is getting the respect that he deserves in the right way of just no one's allowed to wear his number ever again after those who have been grandfathered into wearing number six can no longer wear six again. And once they're retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's pretty much this, uh, the same way that Jackie Robinson's number 42 was retired across major league baseball. He was retired back in 1997 and basically any player that was still wearing number 42 was allowed to do so. So Mariana Rivera, who, you know, came in the league around that time, you know, got permission from Robinson's family and he was able to wear that all the way up until 2013. So he, you know, number 42 was technically retired across baseball, but he was able to wear it, you know, for a little while after that. So uh, I did see that the fact that they would be grandfathered in. And when I saw that news, uh, I think it was Bleacher Report or something. And they ended up saying players who are currently wearing number six will be will be able to do so. And they just show a photo of LeBron. And I go, of course, they, of, of course, they're going to take any moment to just throw LeBron into this. And I know the fact that, you know, LeBron is one of the most notable guys ever to wear the number six. But still, like you couldn't have just like made some other like notification about it. It always has to tie back to LeBron somehow. I I swear there is not a single storyline in the NBA that can't tie back to LeBron James. And I'll give LeBron James credit for this. For the most part, like controversy wise, you know, he hasn't done, you know, anything that yet there hasn't been a ton of controversy surrounding him personally as a guy you know you can make questions about the stuff that he's done off the court uh and some of the things that he's done but you know in terms of personal like you know self like about himself he's a you know he seems to be a good husband a good father you know there doesn't seem to be a ton else behind him that you can really tear down so i'm not really coming at lebron for that but it's just the whole media spectacle of lebron i can't understand the fact that you're mourning bill russell bill russell just passed away and we're still somehow managing to tie this back to LeBron James. That's what blows my mind, Kyle. This is why I don't even like. I've always wanted to unfollow Bleach Report. Just all House of Highlights too. To just oh my god, anything that they can to just do any. Literally the most random video you could find on the internet, they would somehow tie it back to LeBron or Curry or just like just one of them. I'm just like. Is that really? Is that what we're doing? It's just like, is LeBron like the only thing that you can really talk about to get yourself massive views? And it could just be the most random off topic thing ever. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I, I mean, obviously that that's what inspires the meme. How does this affect LeBron's legacy? Like, cause that, it's based on that. And cause anything affects LeBron's legacy. Anything is about LeBron James and I'll grant it. LeBron James is one of the greatest players to ever play the game of basketball. I don't think that he's the greatest. I think Michael Jordan is the greatest, but I can't deny the fact that he's one of the best to ever do it. You you can't deny that the stats 
you know, will, will never be in your favor for that. He is at least, in my opinion, in the top three of that of that conversation. So I understand that, you know, he's a spectacle. We've never seen anything truly like him, and we probably won't ever see anything like it again. But it's a little much. I just hope that the NBA doesn't go crazy with him and be like, oh, we're also going to be retiring his number league-wide. Woo! I mean, I, that, that would be pretty wild. I'd be like... That's yeah. you're really making a you're really making a huge comparison there. I mean, I know with I know with the number twenty three, the Heat the Heat the Heat retired it from Michael Jordan, and that was pretty much the reason LeBron had to switch to six in the first place. So, I mean, I don't have I I understand where a guy like Michael Jordan got his number retired. I actually didn't understand where why the Heat would do that. That actually did confuse me a little bit. And while I always thought, oh, maybe you could retire Michael Jordan's number across the league. Michael Jordan, obviously, you know, is the greatest player of all time. And, you know, in terms of, you know, just culture defined, you know, the culture of the 90s. You can't talk him talk about the 90s, in my opinion, without mentioning Michael Jordan at some point in that conversation. He just is. So there is that. But I think what separates Michael Jordan and Bill Russell is just what Bill Russell had to go through during his time in order to get to the level that he was at the fact that he had to undergo as much, you know, adversity as he did and still managed to win 11 championships is a testament to the type of guy that he was. Yeah, that is true. It also does help that you do have a majority of all the best players on your team too. I mean, those, those Celtics teams, especially when he was on them too, they were still pretty stacked compared to the other. Oh teams. yeah. So he definitely had the help. No, yeah, they, they they definitely were stacked. I'm not lying about that. But I think for what Bill Russell, you know, actually, like th- there was a lot of stuff outside basketball stuff that he had to deal with, which influenced uh, him. And, you know, he still was able to go out there and ball. So I think that Bill Russell is deserving of this award, but it still did come as a shock to me. I didn't know if the NBA was going to do it. I thought they might, you know, rename like one of their MVP awards or do something like that, similar to what they did to Kobe Bryant after he passed away. I didn't know if they were going to full on go out with retiring the number six, which, you know, I think that if there's anyone to do it, I would say it's Bill, but, you know, still surprising to me. Well, I mean, Bill already does have a trophy uh, assigned to him. He has the the finals MVP trophy. Mm -hmm. So he's got something. And yes. uh, that's a very big trophy. Um, I know it, it, it's crazy that like Steph Curry now won that and not then, it, you know, Bill passed. So that trophy to Steph Curry must mean a lot more to him now, especially since obviously it's his first. Obviously, it meant a lot, though. But to have that happen, like um, it makes me very happy that Steph Curry finally, finally won it, because I know there's a few times where he got robbed and just to finally get it just to see, you know, in front of Bill on his home floor at, at a stadium that he played many years at, obviously not TD Garden, but in that same area. In the city, um, yeah. Yeah, in the city. Um, yeah, I, I know definitely right now someone who is taking it, taking his death hard is probably Curry, just mm-hmm. from how much it means to him and just what has happened over the past few months. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, it, it – it's a tremendous honor. Uh, it's unfortunately Bill Russell, you know, isn't alive to see it. I know that this is done most likely, most not most likely it is done to mostly honor his legacy uh, after, after he's passed, but it does it. There is something about it to where, you know, you wish he could have seen his number get retired across the league. There is, you know, that kind of a feeling, but uh, you know, I think that, I think that it is, you know, well-deserved nonetheless. 
Well, I I think what happened was the the NBA wanted to do something for him, but he's he declined it. He didn't he didn't really want anything going on, uh, or at least he didn't want anything to go on while he was alive. So. I think they waited till after. And I think they asked for permission from the family to do it, and I think they they gave them the they gave them the okay to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, you know, obviously, I'll I won't really we I don't know if we'll ever really truly know the, you know, all the ins and outs of that. But uh, Kyle, before we do, I have a I have one more story to talk to you about, and it is uh, Kevin Durant. And you know, Kevin Durant, obviously, again, we're talking about great NBA players. He is one of those guys. You can make the case of him, you know, being a snake, going to Golden State and doing everything there. But this is something else with KD. So for those who didn't see it, Kevin Durant uh, has apparently gone to the Brooklyn Nets. He's been in, you know, talks with them for a while now about trying to get a trade out of Brooklyn, not really liking his situation there. And one thing he one apparently he presents the Nets with an ultimatum. And that ultimatum is either to one trade me, which has a, which has already been on the table or two fire Sean Marks and Steve Nash, which is ridiculous. So the Brooklyn Nets actually came out and they ended up saying that we're sticking behind Sean Marks. We're sticking behind Steve Nash. We, we like what they bring to this program, which, you know, that, that can even be questionable. I'm not the biggest fan of, of what Nash has done with the team so far, but Sean Marks, I think is, you know, for what he's done has, been able to get some pretty good moves for the situation that he's been in. However, I what I don't get is Kevin Durant coming out then and saying that, you know, he hasn't been in control of the team. That is the biggest lie I've ever heard. He's he's basically a Le, 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 he's basically a LeBron James wannabe. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> trying to be a LeBron James wannabe. He thinks he has that power and granted LeBron has been able to assemble some great teams. But KD has tried to do the same thing in Brooklyn and the fact that and he hasn't been denied most of the time. I mean, think about what they had to give up in order to get James Harden. They had Jared Allen, who was a great who was a great uh, center for them. They trade him off to the Cleveland Cavaliers, even though he was statistically better than DeAndre Jordan. But KD wanted DeAndre Jordan to start, so they said, "All right, we're going to start the guy who's technically worse." Like, like anything that KD wanted, they were doing to appease him. And now he's coming back. Now he's coming back and and saying, "You guys aren't letting me do what I want to do." No, KD, like they've been doing exactly what you wanted them to do. And I'm sorry that it hasn't worked out the way that you wanted it to, but like them's them's the ropes. Yeah, he really is a very confusing player. He first of all, it's just the fact that he's already won two championships and he just did it so efforts effortlessly for the team that he was on. It's just like it's so mind washed into his brain that if he does if he goes to another team and basically does the same team uh, same thing like you know you bring James Harden you know all these all these like you know all-star players like he thinks that they just automatically can just make everything work together and they just like you know be a super dynasty like it's much deeper than that and at the end of the day I know deep down Kevin Durant Kevin Durant regrets leaving Golden State, as much as Draymond was a pain to him and literally said to his face, we can win a championship without him. Draymond just <laughs> proved it this year. Yeah. They can win without him. And honestly, I think I just think Katie's salty that Draymond just proved them wrong and he's just trying to get his revenge back. Mm-hmm. But he should have just stayed on that team. They could have just continued winning more championships. Obviously, the fans wouldn't like that besides Golden State. But, I mean, he... 
could have easily won more championships. And now that you look at it, it, you can make a similar, I think, comparison to the Shaq and Kobe era uh, versus like when they kind of like when Shaq and Kobe got split up. Uh, people were saying, oh, my God, how many championships could could they have won? Could they have won eight championships? Because they were that dominant when they were when they were playing. No, Kyle, seriously. No, like, no, when I they, am serious. I know when, when they were when they were like as dominant as they were, they were you could not stop Shaq and Kobe when they were coming when they were coming at you like it was impossible to stop. Obviously, the Detroit Pistons in 04 were able to do a pretty good job of that when they when the Lakers had the super team, including Carl uh, Malone and Gary Payton. But, you know, they were a pretty they were pretty unstoppable for a long period of time. So, you know, similar to how a rift was drawn between Shaq and Kobe and, you know, that kind of separated those two guys. I think very soon you may see a similar comparison as to, well, what if KD and the Warriors had worked things out? How many championships could they could they have won? Could they have won five or six rings uh, within a 10 year span? I, I think it'd be possible. I mean, after the performance we saw this year, I mean, <laughs> just with even just all the young guys that the Warriors were able to get with Jordan Poole and all of them, I mean, they made it look easy. Yeah, nah, it was it wasn't easy though. But I mean, like, uh, they look they, they made it look pretty effortless. I mean, they they won the, no game. Uh, did they go to game seven with the uh, Memphis? I be, I thought they did, or it went to game six. But uh, yeah, yeah, the finals went to game six. No, but I'm talking about for the Memphis series because I was going to make a point saying that all the series that the Warriors were in, none of them went to Game Seven. Like they they handled their business pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, and that's even just with the the normal th- uh, trio there. I mean, imagine KD. I mean, I think each each series could have been either a gentleman sweep or just a, a regular sweep. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think KD is. I mean, you saw what he was able to do to LeBron James. He swept LeBron, which you know, he, you know. I, I, again, I'll give it to LeBron. He's one of the greatest players ever, and was able to take a was able to take that same Warriors team without KD to six games where his second best player was uh who was it Matthew Della Matthew Delvadova in in the twenty eighteen finals no in like the twenty fifteen one uh before uh, yeah yeah he was able to take Matthew Delvadova to six games with that with that Golden State Warriors squad so you know they were able to like and uh I think that was also the same year that. Love got his shoulder separated. Yeah, and Kyrie and got injured. Kyrie got injured. Yep, yeah, okay. th- 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 that's what I was talking about. To where he was like that best player, and then even you know even even against the the Spurs, he got swept. But that's because his second best player on that team was like Mo Williams. Like he had no one at that point. And, and I was also going to mention 2018 too. Like there was really nobody that notable too. Well, besides J.R. Smith, honestly, LeBron could have got a win. At, I don't. That's going to be a big what if though in history. Like what happens if JR doesn't have that blunder in 2018 cuz i think they could have won that game 1 and that could have i could have maybe could have set game the tone. 7 yeah it could have it would have made it very interesting game 7 that that could have been an all-time great series too but uh JR poor decision making no exactly so i think that you know i, I think that KD will have to figure out what he's going to do i don't i mean if if the Celtics actually make a bid for him do you want him on the Celtics well, I I don't really care what goes on about the Celtics. I'm not a Celtics fan, but it would be quite interesting. I just don't really know how everything would come together because you're going to have Jason Tatum right now is probably like the best player. Well, it's disputed now. He's that- the best player. He's the best player on the team. He had a bad finals. He had yeah, a bad finals, I, that's, but 
that's the, the problem though it. that's the problem with though is like that finals like really got me saying what if though because like if you're Jason Tatum you want to put out your best performances especially in the finals and Jalen Brown was doing doing a little bit more carrying than him so I mean it's Jalen uh, Brown was definitely doing more carrying I'm not ignoring that but but still, I, I don't think that Jason Tatum is the best player on that team. It, it's There's no debate about that in my mind. Jalen Brown played better, and I think that in certain – but I don't see Jalen Brown as the number one option. I'm sorry. There's times where he can take over and be the number one option. Oh, there are, ti- there are times. <laughs> yeah. There are times, but I just don't see it. But if Katie was to be on that team, I just don't know how that would work. Yeah, that that, that's that would that would me. just be weird because you also have to consider Marcus Smart. You know, you know how he's he's got that dog in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and, and you know, any little comment said to KD is gonna is gonna hit him at home. Draymond yeah. was able to do it, no issue. And the thing I see, which could uh, the thing I see, which would be an issue of KD coming to the Celtics is Jalen Brown has been pretty much in that number two role since Jason Tatum has gotten there. It's always been Tatum and Brown, Tatum and Brown, not Brown and Tatum. That's always been the that's you know, been the way it, that's always been the way it's been. Uh, but with KD, that narrative would switch to where Jason Tatum would become the number two guy. And I don't know if Jason Tatum necessarily has that mentality yet. I don't know if he ha- is, has, you know, the maturity level to handle being the number two option on a team. I don't know if he can really handle KD coming in, calling the shots when he was probably that guy back in the day and saying, Hey, I, w- I want to do this. And Katie's going to know. And Katie will say, no, I want the last shot. Like, I don't know how Jason Tatum's going to handle that. Yeah. Well, it's also especially because I know Tatum really looks up to Kobe. And when you have that kind of mentality, like, you want to continue to be, you know, that that game-changing slasher, uh, just take over the team moment right there. So it's also going to be a little bit of a pride thing, too. Because mm-hmm. you, you obviously we've seen how, like, Tatum – Jason Tatum was during the finals like he was literally dressing up as Kobe sending the the text messages to Kobe's like you know old old phone number which I mean was that was bad that was pretty bizarre bizarre behavior but the only the only thing that that let me know was that Kobe had an android (laughs) That, 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 that was the that was the only thing that showed me like that didn't show me anything with Jason Tatum. Yeah, the green bubble texts. Yeah, the worst that, kind of bubble texts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, the, the, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't necessarily know if I want KD on the Celtics. I, I want to see what this. I want to see what the core of Brown and Tatum can do again next year, uh, with uh Malcolm with Malcolm Brogdon added in with uh Gallinari out, added in. I want to see what we can do next year and if we can really pick up on where we left last last time out. I, I think that we can be in a good position. I, I think that's what the Celtics should do. I mean, you got two games away from winning a championship. I mean, you had no well, I mean, you went to you had no problem sweeping the nets with KD on them. Uh if it was if it wasn't for Chris Middleton getting injured, uh I don't even know if they would have made it past the Bucks. I Jimmy, think I think I think Jimmy now, could have made you... the shot in game seven of the Eastern Conference. So I mean there's a lot of what ifs to the Celtics though. That's that's the problem. But that's but that's a, but that's a deal with any team. Any team is go, you're going to need luck at some point to go win a championship. Even the best teams need something to go their way, luck wise. That, that that is the thing. But how much luck are you going to able to get out? Because there's going to be a time where you just run out of luck, and it's just going to be it's just going to be too late at the end of the day. 
Absolutely. But I think with the talent we acquired, we're not necessarily going to need to rely on it as much. I think Brogdon adds another level to this team. I think Gallinari shooting wise will be a great addition for us as well. So I think that we won't necessarily need to luck out in many instances and talent will be able to, uh, you know, give us the edge a lot more. It is going to make the Celtics uh, season very interesting with the moves that they made. And, uh, uh, I'm I'm curious to know where Katie's what Katie's going to do at the end of day whether he stays with the Nets or goes somewhere else. But yeah, I mean I, he he's got he's got to make a decision at some point because he he's he's going crazy right now with yeah. with saying these requests. Yeah, no, I mean I, I'm I it's going to be it's definitely going to be interesting interesting to see what they do as well. But uh, Kyle, I thank you for coming on the show today. We are unfortunately though uh, now down to the wire, which means that we're going to wrap up what we talked about today and send you guys on into your weekend. Obviously, we welcomed on Mr. Kyle Finn to the show. Welcome back on. Kyle, thank you for coming back on, my man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So, uh, you know, first things first, we started off today by talking about Patriots longtime running back James White officially announcing his retirement after eight years. We then jumped over into MLB news and talked about Chris Hill fracturing his wrist in a bike crash. Uh, and then finally, we wrapped things up in NBA news by talking about Bill Russell's number six being retired by the entire NBA and Kevin Durant giving the Nets the ultimatum of either trading him or firing Steve Nash and Sean Marks. Uh, it was a crazy episode today. Uh, glad you guys were able to watch it. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, if you guys, you know, are interested in, you know, you'll hit the follow button, give us a, you know, give us a like on, on YouTube, anything like that. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, Kyle, is there anything you want to say before you go? Praying for a Red Sox sweep this weekend. Probably not going to be happening though. I would probably say the Red Sox maybe win one game out of this three game set. Yeah. It's it's definitely going to be a tough one, but Kyle, again, thank you so much for coming on. And from down the wire, I'm Brian Costa. And I'm Kyle Finn. And we hope you guys have a great day. Take care and peace out. WJMF Radio.